Welcome to Grace Family Church. We are so glad you decided to check out our podcast. Our prayer is that this teaching from Pastor Tommy will encourage your faith and lead you towards the greatness God has planned for you. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoy this message. Today, as I was sort of thinking about what to share, it's, you know, it's anniversary service and you know, I had a good pastor tell me one time that on the special Sundays where there's something like Mother's Day or an anniversary, you need to talk about it. Uh, you know, when I first started as a pastor, I just was teaching the word, you know, and it didn't matter if it was Mother's Day. I'm in my series and I'm going to teach the next message. And uh, I remember hearing that and thinking, you know, you know, folks sometimes come on days to hear something significant about that particular occurrence. And so today I was really just praying about what the Lord would have me do uh, for this special anniversary service, you know, and um, as we celebrate 22 years, there were a couple of just images and thoughts that came to my mind uh, that I want to share with you today, and and there were some scriptures that the Lord laid on my heart, and so I want to start with uh, a scripture found in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 19. We'll read this, and then we'll just pray, and, and, you know, even though we're talking about um, 22 years, We're not talking about 22 years of an institution or 22 years of an individual or 22 years of a program or anything. We're talking about 22 years of God's faithfulness and and his goodness and his commitment to uh, extend that even into the future for many, many years to come. Amen. And so uh, as we approach this and I share along these lines, I really am praying that God will use this message not just to speak about the, the years that we've been here as a church, but to really speak to your life about some very specific things. So Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Now, I'm not gonna preach about that this morning, but you know, you have to settle that question in your heart if you're gonna have a relationship with Jesus, right? You have to know who he is. You have to know that he is God that came in the flesh. You have to know that he died on a cross to shed his blood for your sins and that he rose again and that he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords and that he is the only way to get to God. It's interesting in the context of this verse that, you know, uh, that, that uh, uh, Peter's answer was some say this, some say that. There's a lot of opinions about who Jesus is. There's a lot of opinions about how to get to God. But what Jesus said is, who do you say that I am? He wanted to know that they believe the right thing, that he's the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? Goes on to say, so Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, on this rock, what? On Peter? No, not on Peter, but on the revelation of who Jesus is. On this rock. I will build my church and the gates, I want you to notice this phrase, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, just thanking you and praising you for your goodness. Thanking you and praising you for being just so wonderful to us. And I just ask that you will continue that in this message today, that you, as you've promised, you will anoint me to speak your word to your people, that your anointing will be present to write upon each person's heart your truth that they need to hear today. And I thank you, Father, that we truly will be able to say, as I always say every week, that we're better. Our life is better. We're closer to Jesus because we came to church today. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. 
you know, 22 years as a church. You know, as I think about that, a lot has happened over those 22 years. You know, if you're new to Grace, you know, I, I typically share this information um, at our, our Meet the Pastor session that we'll be doing at the end of the month. But, you know, we started as a, a group of six people in a little house on Almond Drive in Dillon Woods right up the road. Uh, and I'll let you know I was late for the service. <laughs> <laughs> Matter of fact, Trey posted a funny, it was, they, they hosted it for that first service, and he posted a little funny sign on the front of the door. Uh, I forget what it said. Do you remember what it said? Something about the, the first church of the late pastor or something like that. But anyway, um, but anyway uh, shortly after that, we spent about six months over in the Food Lion parking lot. There was, there's a building there that Floyd Ward School of Dance used to have, and um, we met there for about six months. And then, and then we moved over to Southwest Roanoke and met there for about a year and a half in the Brambleton Center. Uh, and then we felt like we needed something a little more permanent, so you know, we did all we could do with what we had. And so we moved into a place on South Pollard Street right downtown Vinton. It was a remodeled 7-Eleven storefront. Uh, we had one sanctuary, one children's classroom, and an office. Um, and uh, we grew to outgrow that place over the course of about two, two to three years. And then we moved to the middle school for about six months and met there. And the Lord presented the opportunity to purchase this building. We've been here for about the last 15 years. It's hard to believe 15 years. Uh, but we've been here about 15 years. And so as I think about those 22 years, though, it's not really been about the building or the journey or any of these things. As I said earlier, it's really been about the goodness and faithfulness of God. And just how good he's been to us and, you know, in, in bringing good things into our lives and really bringing us through difficult situations as well. And, you know, uh, there have been a lot of both of those, good times and challenges, you know, as I think about that. And, you know, we've, we've seen, uh, as we just saw, babies born in our church. Uh, we've seen some children grow up from a very young age in our church to graduate from high school, get married, get engaged. Um, we've, seen, we've seen some have to move away and, and leave us, and so we've seen that happen. Um, we've had to say goodbye to some folks, not so, just so long, really, not goodbye, right? There have been those in the history of our church who have passed. I, I think about my dear mother and father and what a blessing they were in helping start this church. I think about, you know, if you've been here for a long time, I think about Doug Mitchell and Sherry Mitchell. Sherry had to move to Lynchburg because of, you know, her husband passed, but to be closer to her family. But I think about Doug and the, just the impact he had on our church and the t great testimony he had as, even in his dying days about the goodness and faithfulness of God. Um, and, you know, there's probably many other, there's others that, that I di didn't mention this morning, but I think about those folks. And, you know, I think about at times the financial challenges we've had to face. You know, we've had to, uh, obstacles we've had to overcome. And, you know, uh, I'll be announcing soon that, you know, we've got another one. We've got to replace the HVAC and heating over there in that building. And quotes are coming back a little bit higher than I had anticipated. So we'll talk about that. But, you know, um, through all of that, regardless of the challenges, regardless of the obstacles that have stood before us, God has proven himself faithful. You know, and, and that, should, that alone should be a testimony to you in your life that no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, God is a faithful, good God. And there are going to be up times, there are going to be difficult times, but in the midst of it all, if you'll hold on to his hand, he's faithful. And you know, as I was thinking about the, the rich history of our church and the faithfulness of God, there was an image that came to mind for me over the last couple weeks as I really was just seeking the Lord about what to do this morning. And it's really the image of an oak tree. 
Um, and, and uh, you know, uh, an oak tree is, you know, just a symbol of strength. And I, actually, I spent a few uh, minutes this morning. I pulled up on the back lot all the way to the back corner, and there sets the oak tree I'm talking about this morning. I didn't really even think about it. But, you know, uh, as I think about that, you know, I, I see this tree standing as I think about our church, firm and strong. The winds may come, the storms may blow, but it still is standing. Uh, and I think about that fact, you know, its leaves may even change colors. Some leaves may fall off and other new ones may show up, but the tree still stands. And as I think about that, I think about that verse that I read to open the service, open this message is this, that Jesus made this statement about the church as a whole and not just Grace Family Church, but about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Jesus said these words, and as I think about these words, they have, they have for me, dual meaning. First of all, when he says the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church, it's an emphatic statement for me of the victory that Jesus purchased for us when he completed his work, right, on earth, and he ascended to heaven. You know, notice he says that the church, in these words, he says it, 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 the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Very much the picture of that, that oak tree that I see in my mind, that, you know, that tree is planted, it's immovable, it's not trying to find new ground or claim new ground, if you think about that for a minute, right? It's not attempting to prevail against anything else, it is just strong and it's standing there. Why did Jesus say the church, that the gates of hell will not prevail against it? Because Jesus, you ready for this this morning, has already won the victory for us. He has already risen from the dead and he has already won the victory and no matter what comes against the church, no matter what challenges the church, Jesus has already won the victory and all comers are already defeated. See, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 20, when he, God, raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Notice, Jesus has already been exalted. He has already won the victory and the devil is already defeated. So when I think about that oak tree that stands the test of time, that tree is not fighting a battle. It's just withstanding what the enemy tries to do at times but cannot accomplish because Jesus has already won. Now notice what he goes on to say, and he hath put all things under his feet. You realize the devil's under his feet this morning, right? The Bible says that we've been elevated to seated with him in heavenly places, so that means the devil's under your feet as well, right? Heard a preacher say one thing, one time say, if you want to say something to the devil, just write it on the bottom of your shoes. Because he's under your feet. It says, he had put all things under his feet and gave him his head over the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now I want you to notice something about this. Jesus has already won, but notice what it says there in verse 22. It says, and God gave him. See, we know John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That verse was spoken about Jesus being given as a sacrifice for our sins. But after he was sacrificed for our sins and after he rose from the dead, he was given a second time to us. He gave him to as head over all things to the church. 
So what that means is, is that Jesus and the victory that he experienced, when we worship him and we sing, you are king of kings, you are Lord of lords, hallelujah to you, we're singing about his greatness and his majesty. He's been placed over the church and is over the church. He's given that authority and victory to us. And so when Jesus made the emphatic statement that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, he was speaking and foretelling of the fact that the church would be in a position where all comers could not prevail against it. You know, we live in a culture today that tries to uh, redefine what truth is, tries to redefine what right and wrong is, and many times as church members we can wag our head and maybe even worry about it. But still the emphatic words of Jesus hold true that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The devil can come, the devil can try, culture can try, but the church will still always be that oak tree that stands strong against the test of time. Now not only is that statement an emphatic statement of the victory that Jesus has purchased, but what it also stands out to me about, and really what I want to get across to you this morning is, is it's a reminder to us. It's a reminder to us of how we should respond when hell tries to prevail against us. How many of you ever faced a problem in your life? Well, if you didn't raise your hand on that one, come forward, we'll lay hands on you, pray all night, because you're a liar. We've all faced problems. We've all faced challenges. Life will present problems. The enemy will try to attack us and stop us from walking in the abundance and blessing and health and provision that God has provided us. But what, what that statement tells me, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church, is there's a way we should respond when hell attacks. There's a way we should respond when life presents its challenges. When hell tries to attack us, we must remember that we are the champions and whatever's attacking us is the challenger. Look at your neighbor and say, the champ is here. How many of you know that song, right? If you watch, you watch MMA sports, you can hear it. The champ is here. John Jones used to come into that one. But the reality is, is that you are called a champion and a winner and an overcomer in Christ. And when life presents its challenges to us, we must look at them not as some big, ugly thing that's coming against us that is greater than us. We have been granted as champions of the Lord Jesus Christ to be able to stand against those things. We are that oak tree standing tall. Not looking up at our problems when they come but as, as if they loom larger than us, but looking down at a problem when it shows up, no matter how big it is, understanding that the power behind it is already defeated. Already defeated. See, when difficult times come against us, you need to understand that your response shouldn't be, oh God, deliver me from this difficult time. Why? Because you're already delivered from it. You're already the champion. You already have the belt. And it's just trying to challenge you. And you need to recognize that you have the King of kings and the Lord of lords backing you. And you need to look at that challenge and minimize it in the, in the image of your mind. See, many times the reason we haven't overcome our challenges and our problems is because we look at our challenges and our problems as larger than us. 
And although in our natural human ability they may be larger than us, but when you couple that with the fact that you are a child, blood-bought by the King of kings and the Lord of lords, there is no challenge, there is no comer, there is no problem that is larger than you are. No matter how big it is. First quote, just you guys ready? First quote to fix this situation over here with our HVAC, $106,000. Beyond our building fund. But you know what? Just a challenger to who God says we are. See, if we look at that as, whoo, now that's the first quote, right? Everything always looks worse coming than it does going. But the reality is, is when any problem shows up in our life, no matter how big, no matter how small, we have to take a position of those that are in a church where the gates of hell can't prevail against it. We have to take a moment and gather ourselves and say, wait a minute, that problem is not bigger than my God. Not bigger than his promise to me. Not bigger than the defeat that Jesus executed when he made a show of them openly and defeated death, hell, and the grave. It's not bigger. It's not bigger. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 57 says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 says, Thanks be unto God who always giveth us the victory. See, the reality is this morning, if you will, I've always said this, if you will stick with Jesus through your problem, instead of yielding to your problem, you will always come out a winner. Always. He is faithful. And one way or the other, you'll get through that thing. You'll overcome it. You'll win. You'll be victorious. It says there, thanks be unto God who gives us the victory. We are the image of that oak tree. The embodiment of it. We're that tree standing by the rivers of water of life. And we will not be moved. That old spiritual, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. That should be the image of our church. That should be the image of us individually. Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 7 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. Notice whose hope is the Lord. Notice whose hope is the Lord. Hope, not whose hope is the victory. Not whose hope is the answer to that prayer. But whose hope is the Lord. Whose hope says, you know what, I don't care about those things. He's my hope and it all, all, the, all the rest of it will take care of itself. Whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not, not fear when heat comes, but its leaves will be green, and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding. What that verse says is that when we put our hope in the Lord, and we've accepted it as a New Testament believer, we've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and put our hope in Him, we are that oak tree, fixed, steadfast, immovable. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Notice, that, that's, the, that's, the, that's the image of the tree. Steadfast, immovable, always abounding. That word steadfast means seated firm. 
You know, as I sat up there this morning and I looked at that tree as I was on the back lot sort of looking forward over the building, I could see the tree. Go, go look, it's a big old tree. Probably help illustrate today's message. Just stare at it for a minute. Think about it. As I was looking at that tree, I thought, you know, that tree is not thinking about running anywhere. It's just seated. As a matter of fact, if you look up that word steadfast, in the, in the actual Greek it means seated firm. I mean, I've planted, I ain't moving. This is where I am, right? Well, where are you? You've been planted in the victory that Jesus has given you. You've been planted as a victorious conquering champion, so you need to sink your roots down in that and just say, look, I ain't moving. This is my place. This is where I am. This is who I am, right? Roots sunk deep with no intention or plan to move from the place where you've been planted. No plan to run or quit, right? Seated saying, I'm not giving up and I ain't leaving right here. This is my spot. What spot? And I'm not talking about being a member of grace, although, man, we'd love for you to commit to that for the rest of your life. I'd love for that. You know, just great. But I'm, I'm really talking more about your own spiritual life. Roots dug down that says, I will never be moved from my place of victory. I will not be moved from the fact that I'm the healed of the Lord even when sickness shows up. I'm not going to believe that I'm sick, although the facts say I'm sick. I'm going to believe the truth about God's word and let truth change facts. When disappointment tries to creep in and I don't achieve a goal that I thought I was going to achieve, I'm not going to doubt the fact that I'm victorious. I'm going to dig in and say, no, bless God, that's just a setback, but I'm ready for a comeback. Amen? I'm going to dig my heels in and not, I'm going to be steadfast. But then the next word to notice, the Holy Spirit's so good because when, when, he put, when, when the Holy Spirit puts words into Scripture, I mean, they're God-breathed words, right? That's what the Scripture says. God breathed them to the men that wrote this. He didn't just pick a bunch of words to be flowery. The Bible says the heavens and earth, they're established by his words. And notice he said steadfast, and he also said unmovable. Well, they seem like the same word. But if you look at unmovable, it, it lends itself to the aspect of not moving when resistance shows up. See, not only are you fixed and you've committed before the battle ever shows up that I ain't moving. This is my place. I'm victorious. I'm a champion, right? But also, you're committed to the fact that when the storm does show up and the winds start blowing, when the winds start blowing on an oak tree, it's immovable. Some of the branches may fall off, but the root still holds, Right? And so what that's talking about is not only are you fixed and saying, I'm not moving from this place, but when the winds start blowing, there's resistance against you. You dig your heels in, you grit your teeth, you roll up your sleeves, and you're saying, I ain't going nowhere. I'm hanging on to this. Always abounding. Here's the next thing it means. Abounding means this. It means exceeding the ordinary. You know, I've had the privilege of growing up and watching my kids all do sports and different things and, uh, you know, just, and, and, you know, specifically in the area of sports, one of the things that I've recognized is there are certain people that rise to the level of a champion. And there are other people that just wind up being mediocre, right? And some of that's based on ability and God-given talent, I get that. But I will tell you this, I've seen many, many, many champions that, that are champions not because of their ability, but because of their commitment to not be moved from being a champion. 
to not give up when the going gets tough. Always, and that makes them what? Extraordinary, exceeding the ordinary people. As believers, we need to exceed the ordinary. We don't need to be with the status quo that when, when the going gets tough, we wilt and go away. We need to be the embodiment of people that when the going gets tough, the church gets going, right? Right, when we, we see a problem show up as a church, we're like, man, let's roll up our sleeves and get her done, man. That's what we're all about. Not wagging our heads, well, you know, another problem. I'll probably I'll just get out of here and find somewhere easier, right? That's the way of the world. We need to be people always abounding in the church and in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when Jesus said the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, it's a reminder to us of how we should respond in difficult times, that we are victorious and we're overcomers. As the musicians come, so I think about Grace Family Church, I believe that that's what he's called us to be, and this is the really the, the sort of the punchline for what I'm trying to get to this morning. I believe as a church, individually as a church, that's what we've been called to be, that oak tree that is a standard in the lives of people, and I believe that's who we've been. We've had many goals and projects over the years. We've had many people come and go over the past 22 years. We've seen many great things, and probably if you've been here long enough, you've seen a few disappointments, probably a lot of it by my own hand, your pastor. <laughs> but you still love me and you're still here, right? The, the point is this, is that 22 years from that first Sunday, Sunday in June, on June the 1st, the church is still standing and it's not standing because I'm something special because you're something special it's because God called it and gave it a charter to be here of something very specific something very specific he's called it to be here to be a standard bearer in the lives of the people that this church touches you know I think about people who have come and gone some have left disgruntled some have left happy because life moved them on some have just moved on some have fallen away but the thing I see that is consistent over the 22 years is that what we've been called to do and the truths we've been called to declare serve as a standard bearer in the lives of the people that we've touched. That no matter where they go, no matter where they look, they can always look back and see that oak tree. They can always look forward and see that oak tree. They can always see that truth that God has called us to bear. What are those truths? I'm gonna hit them again just so you got them. Number one is this. If you want to know the heartbeat of me as the pastor of this church, this is the reason I believe God called me to start this. We've been called to bear the standard that uncompromisingly God is a good God. And not in the religious sense of the word that, oh, sometimes it looks bad, <laughs> but, you know, somehow in the mystery of it all, God's being good by it. No. Psalm 145 says, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion slow to anger and of great mercy, the Lord is good to all. His tender mercies are over all his works. What that tells me is that good things in life come from God, bad things in life don't. That is a standard we've been called to bear as a church. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, no matter what difficulty you're facing, that difficulty is not from the hand of God. He hasn't planned it in your life for you to be able to learn something from it. It is an obstacle that he has called you victorious and given you the ability to overcome. He is a good God. Jesus said, I came to give you life and to give it more abundantly. The devil, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Good God, bad devil. 
Theology 101 for this church is just that simple. If it's good in your life, it's from God. If it's bad in your life, you need to know it's an attack. God hadn't planned it, but boy, he's willing to help you through it and get you out of it. Amen. Thanks for listening to our Grace Family Church podcast. We really hope you enjoyed this message. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, we would love for you to get connected. Just go to gfcva.info to learn more about who we are, how to give to this ministry, or how you can get involved. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.